Starting every new and innovative infrastructure project from scratch takes time. From assessing its feasibility, to conducting the proper studies, to structuring the project, the process is slow and unavoidable. So what if you could bypass a lot of these steps, fast-track a project to completion? The golden ticket? Replicability. You're listening to Blended Knowledge, a podcast from Garantco, a private infrastructure development group company set up to help mobilize long-term local currency financing into domestic infrastructure in lower-income countries across Africa and Asia. I'm your host, Marjolein van Kampen. And I'm your other host, Mohamed Masoud. So what is replicability? Put simply, it's about creating financial deals that can be replicated, putting measures in place to ensure that once you've gone through the long and difficult process of bringing a transaction to life, that deal can be repeated again and again. At Garantco, this is one of our key focus areas. Replicability allows us to close our transactions quicker and more efficiently. The result is improving the lives of local people across Africa and Asia by giving them access to much-needed sustainable infrastructure faster. But it's about more than simply speeding up the pace of transactions. In this podcast, we have Leith Alfalaki, CEO of Garantco, Pierre Maroubi, CEO of Green Yellow, an operator of renewable and hybrid energy in Africa, and Edward Kirata, founder and CEO of Acorn Holdings, a developer, operator and asset manager of rental housing in sub-Saharan Africa. They will tell us why replicability is critical and elaborate through a few examples. So Leith, welcome to the podcast. On top of its ability to speed up transactions, what other benefits does replicability provide? Yeah, I mean, I I would say that actually speeding up transactions is a byproduct of some of the much larger benefits. I mean, I think actually the biggest benefit is our ability to catalyze the markets, particularly the local capital markets, and really then scale up. You know, historically, when we've looked at a market, we've thought, let's do a first of a kind transaction and the private sector will follow. But the truth is the private sector needs a little bit more encouragement than just doing one transaction. It needs a second, a third and a fourth. And each time you can iron out more and more wrinkles. For example, you might uh, firstly be able to issue a, a bond and attract an investor. Then if you were able to replicate that, you might get a new investor and really increase your mobilization. The third time, you may be able to attract offshore investors. You may be able to deepen the the capital market and create some sort of secondary market liquidity. You may be able to encourage private sector players to take some naked risk on those transactions. So I think only by doing the second, third and fourth of a kind and really replicating, do we iron out those wrinkles and really crowd in the private sector and have that deep catalytic impact. This is very interesting. So so how do you make a project replicable? Do you have to put measures in place from the outset? I think like all things, uh, you really need to lay the groundwork in advance. So if you're looking at replicability with a, with a client, what sort of projects have you done with them in the past? Can you enhance the frameworks under which you've done those projects? If you're looking at replicability within a country, you really need to have understood the regulatory frameworks that you're operating under, similarly with a sector. So it's really around 
acquiring that knowledge and then applying that knowledge for future transactions. I think that is absolutely key. Thank you very much, Leith. I would now like to welcome Edward Kirata, founder and CEO of Acorn Holdings. Thank you for joining us, Edward, in the 13th edition of the Blended Knowledge Podcast. I remember that you participated in our second podcast three years ago, and it is really good to have you back as the two other Acorn deals that we did uh, have been landmark transactions for us. So could you please tell us about the partnership between Garantco and Acorn Holdings and the two transactions that we closed together? Thank you very much, Martin, and I'm very happy to be back on your podcast. Always a, a pleasure to talk about the work we, we've been doing together over the last couple of years. You know, as you said, we are, Acorn is a developer of rental housing right now in Kenya. That is something we hope to replicate and grow in other markets in, in the coming years. When we started the journey in uh, rental housing, one of the big barriers to growth was capital, because it's a very capital-intensive business, and, um, and, and we needed to find a way to raise capital sustainably as we went along. And um, of course, the capital that one needs for this kind of investment is both equity and debt. And, and therefore, when we had uh, done our proof-of-concept projects and it was time to scale up, and that's when we, we met up with Garantco and started discussing the opportunities uh, available to scale up. And it was quite evident that uh, given the scale of their ambition, we needed to tap into the capital markets. Obviously, Acon had never been an issuer in the capital markets uh, before. And so we determined that the best way to introduce Acon into the capital markets was using a bond, to issue a bond. And of course, having never issued a bond before, given also the nascent nature of the rental housing and the pioneering nature of what we were doing, then it became critical that we have a guarantor on the bond to make it successful. That's how actually our partnership with Garantco and other PG entities started. And Garantco was able to provide us with a partial guarantee that actually then allowed us to get a Moody's rating that was a notch above sovereign, which was fantastic because then it meant that our bond was suddenly attractive to a broad range of players in the capital markets. Um, It was a $50 million dollar uh, five million shilling bond at the time. And uh, with the guarantee, we were able to go to market and raise the first 4.3 billion in the first close of the bond. And that was raised primarily from Kenyan local pension funds, uh, local banks, and obviously with an anchor investment from Emerging Africa Infrastructure Fund as well, which came in to support the, the issuance. At the time we did this issuance, uh, the capital markets and bond insurances in Kenya had dried up completely. No bonds after the failure of two prior bonds. The market was not very receptive at the time to bonds. So I can assure you that without the guarantee, it would not have been possible to raise the bond. And because of the success of the first tranche, we actually upsized the bond from $5 billion in the second tranche to $5.7 billion. And the last 
amount since we had raised 1.3 billion so we were looking to tap another 1.4 billion in the market and actually it was oversubscribed by about 140% uh, in the second tranche which was fantastic because suddenly the bond markets were back and people actually saw that you know the bonds were actually something that were could fund the kind of social infrastructure like the rental housing that we are doing it was a highly innovative uh, bond. In fact, it won the Euro Money Bond of the Year Award because of the innovation. It was a first project bond. Most bonds in Kenya, all bonds in Kenya until that time had been corporate bonds. This was a project bond. It was the first rating by Moody's in Kenya. So it was the, also the first of any Kenyan bonds to ever list on the London Stock Exchange. And of course, it also listed on the Nairobi Securities Exchange. And through that bond, which was issued three and a half years ago, we've been able to put together a pipeline of 6,000 uh, beds for university students in our purpose-built student accommodation portfolio. So it has, it, it's been a, an extremely game-changing uh, bond for our business. So that's really the background. But I, I think the most important thing now when we talk about replicability is the kind of catalytic effect we've seen with that bond. Because since we then did the bond, we were able now to become a you know, credible issuer in the capital markets and become known in the market. It gave us such visibility and credibility that following the bond, we were able to do a number of things. Number one, we were able to then come back to the capital markets and put together the first student housing REITs in Africa, a development REIT and an income REIT. And uh, we worked very closely with the Infraco on that uh, particular, which is a peach sister company. So we are able to do the, the REITs, which was a, really an outcome of the work we had done on the bond we were also able to raise more money in the markets. We raised another $50 million from our local banks in debt capital. Again, given it is the credibility of the green bond that allowed us to do that. And this was the first green housing bond in Africa as well ever done. As we speak today, we are negotiating another uh, approximately $200 million of capital to the econ student housing REITs. Uh, and therefore, you can see from that initial amount, which was just about $50 million, we've been able now to bring on board another $250 million onto the student housing portfolio. And so the catalytic uh, impact of the bond cannot be uh, overstated. And in fact, after the bond, other corporates were now bold enough to come to market, and we saw a number of very successful issuances within the next 12 to 24 months after issuing the bond. Thank you very much, Edward, for your contribution. Thank you. Alice, what are the different ways in which a project can be replicated? Well, I think I've touched on the, some of them already. I mean, you can replicate across markets where you've got a, a certain product or you've got a client who's operating in different markets. You can also replicate it within a sector. So once you have, for example, a framework, for example, for electric vehicles that we've done in India, you can replicate those transactions very quickly. Similarly, when you have gone into a country, it really 
makes it a lot easier to, to do the second, third and fourth transaction. So I'd say there are a number of ways, just in summary, you know, you can do it across markets, you know, in the same sector, same market or with the same client. And can you share some examples of these different ways of replicating a deal in action? Certainly. So, I mean, doing it across markets, last year we did a, a deal with Bank, which was a portfolio guarantee, and we did that in Togo. Bank are active uh, across the continent, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa, and that made it much easier to then do a similar structured deal with Bank in Cote d'Ivoire just a, a matter of months later. If I'm looking at replicating within a market, Last year, we signed the EV framework with Axis Bank. We got to know Axis Bank very well, and therefore it was very easy for us to do a transaction with Northern Arc, where Axis was also the beneficiary. So that's another example of, of replication that time, I guess, in, within the same market. Now, a strong example where we've replicated a transaction with the same client in the same market is through our project with Green Yellow in Madagascar. Pierre Maroubi, CEO of Green Yellow, is joining us now. Pierre, welcome to our podcast. Could you tell us a little bit more about these two transactions? Thank you, Marjolaine. Let me quickly introduce Green Yellow. We are one of the main developers in the region and actually number one in, in PV development with more than 100 megawatts peak developed in the Indian Ocean. We had the opportunity to work with Guaranco for the first time in Madagascar. In 2018, after a long development, we managed to uh, put in service the biggest solar plant in the region. It was at Ambatlam, south of Tananarive, and we decided to finance such a project. For that, we basically called some of the most important lenders in the zone, and, and we started to work with Société Générale. But it was important to provide a guarantee to support such bank and that's where we basically had to um, call for Guarenco and AGF, which were really helpful in such a transaction. After some years with our partner Action Energy, we decided to develop further such a plant and to double its size to take it to the 40 megawatt project and including also five megawatt hour of, of, of storage. And we started the construction and, and put it in service in 2022. And so the idea was to replicate such a financing deal with the same actor. And so the fact that we basically managed to replicate the transaction with the same partners was actually key in the speed and effectiveness of the transaction. So again, with Société Générale and Guaranco and AGF, we managed to get such a loan plus a guarantee. In this case, we're talking about 8 million euros of guarantee. That was really uh, helpful to the project and again much easier in the second phase than in the first one i think trust was key in such a success and the fact that obviously all stakeholders were already knowledgeable of the project and of each other was also very important thank you pierre and leith off the back of the two green yellow transactions garanko subsequently closed two other transactions in africa together with finance partner Société Générale. What benefits do we see from closing multiple transactions with the same client and the same finance partner? 
Well, firstly, I think you are able to scale much quicker. You understand the needs of the various partners and you can really build scale and you can therefore go across markets. But what you can also do is actually build a much better understanding of the credit. If you take, for example, the transactions that we've done in Bangladesh with Pran Agro, we did a first transaction where we had MetLife as the beneficiary. That was a really great learning experience. The second transaction we undertook with Pran also had MetLife as the beneficiary, but this time because they had become comfortable with the underlying credit, they were able to take naked risk on that and we were able to proceed with that transaction purely from a partial credit guarantee perspective. That way we're able to really get much more private sector participation in the capital markets. And finally, Leith, why is it so important to Grandco to focus on delivering sustainable infrastructure quickly and at scale? I think that is actually our key mission. We want to be able to provide sustainable infrastructure to the benefit of local people in the world's poorest countries and try and alleviate poverty in that way. We can also do that through building local capital markets and really crowding in the private sector. And really the best way of doing this and closing that infrastructure gap and really getting to infrastructure to, to the people that need it is through increasing replicability. Thanks to all of our guests for joining Mo and myself in this podcast. And thank you for listening to this episode of Garantco's Blended Knowledge podcast series. If you would like to find out more about our approach and vision, please visit garantco.com.